0: Headline: More than a hundred people trapped for several hours in mystery writer Agatha Christie's former home. <laughs> How is that not the greatest headline you've ever heard? Would
1: you be freaked out if you were if you were trapped in Agatha Christie's home? Would you
0: be freaked out if you trapped in Agatha? Would of know? course you <laughs> would be. Really? You'd think it was a joke.
1: Do you do you do you get freaked out by like haunted houses and stuff like that? No
0: no no. But I'm a big Agatha Christie fan. If you're not aware of who Agatha Christie is, she is a mystery writer. She's a mystery writer extraordinaire. So imagine going for a tour of her house and getting trapped in it for hours. It's brilliant. There <laughs> you go. I got it out of my system. Off you okay. go. Start the podcast. Stuff.
1: Kira, this is news ball, I'm a meal.
0: And I'm Imogen, and this is what's worth talking about. The government's announced a new law and order policy. We're asking Stuff's political editor if it's a hit or if it's a miss.
1: We're also taking a look at the so-called Gilgo Beach murders and what it was that led New York police to finally charge someone more than a decade on.
0: Microsoft is looking to take over the gaming world, so why are some government regulators trying to stop it?
1: And plus, a cafe has been caught selling supermarket baking as its own cabinet food. Tut-tut. But I, perhaps, have a story that tops it.
0: That's a goodie. But we've got all of that coming up in a moment here on Newsable. Usable takes time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz support.
1: So the government's going on a bit of a blitz Policy announcing Blitz this week, uh, as we understand it, and it just announced its first one on law and order.
0: It'll turn using or rewarding a child to commit a crime into an aggravating factor during sentencing. Prime Minister Chris Hipkins' office was forced to clarify this after he originally announced it would become a new offence with a potential 10-year prison term. Now, here's some of what Hipkins shared during his
2: post-Cabinet press conference. Kiwis have had a gutsful of people acting as if the rules don't apply to them, and I have had a gutsful of that as well. The system needs a shaker. So today I'm setting out the next step of changes, next set of changes That'll make offenders more accountable, that will back our police with greater powers, and that will work to break the cycle of offending.
1: The government has recently been accused of not announcing enough policy, so what should we make of this one? Well, here to tell us is stuff, political editor, Luke Malpass. Kia ora,
3: Luke. Kia sure ora guys, how are you?
1: Very well, thanks. Uh, now this policy seems kind of two birds one stone here. Ram raids and also gangs. Is that your read on this?
3: Uh, more or less. I mean, I think it scratches a political itch, uh, which is that uh, you know, barely a day goes by where um, there's not a news story, a radio article or something about a ram raid, um, some poor dairy owner being attacked or a violent assault. The Ipsos uh, Monitor about a month ago found that, it has, that law and order is now the issue of second-most concern amongst New Zealanders. Uh, the government has basically has been looking like it's been losing the war on crime, basically.
0: National uh, recently also released law and order policies. Both parties lauded themselves as having evidence-based policies, but justice seems to be a bit based on vibes recently.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, the politics of law and order are a mixture of um, evidence and emotion. Um mm. And I, th- I think the fact that crime has been has been popping up as a as a consistent um, problem for people. And it's not a result of a, a, of a political beat up. You know, people out there, particularly up in Auckland, um, feel are feeling crime. They feel it's close to them. They feel it is affecting people that uh, that they know. Mm. Uh, I mean, the thing I'd note about this policy is that um, none of this is going to be legislated before the uh, mm. before the election.
0: We understand this week's going to be a bit of a policy bonanza. Does this one uh, plug the gap? Has it hit the nail on the head?
3: So this is the first of uh, three law and order uh, policy announcements. One on um, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. So it'll be interesting to see what the other what the other two um, come out with. I mean, this is being done as the government. So you know they're going to mm. they're now going to draft up some legislation and hopefully get get some form of that in, in front of the house in the next seven odd weeks before. Parliament rises, but because it's basically uh, not going to, you know, nothing will really happen before the election, it's really a bit of, uh, a bit of electioneering, really. Something Labour can come back to if they win, but uh, but um, really plugs a political gap for them leading into the election.
1: And Luke, any misgivings on, on your part about law and order turning into a bit of a political football?
3: That always sits as a bit of a concern, but I think it's, I think it's fair to say that you wouldn't have a Labour Prime Minister in particular Coming out and being strong on um, ram raids, and particularly um, they're looking at prosecuting obviously adults. And there's going to be extra, um, there'll be extra scope for harsher sentences if you post something up on social media. You know, this Mm -hmm. is a this is a real life thing. It is out there. It is actually happening, and it is affecting communities. And I mean, this um, agree or disagree with it? This seems is quite a you know responsible uh, sort of a policy. And, you know, I think a reasonable number of the of the National Party ones have been as well.
0: Luke Malpass, always great to chat. Thank you so much for your time and insight. Thanks, guys. Emile's going to be sharing a rather interesting story about food that was served one time at a restaurant he once worked at and we're going to be asking you for some stories as well, of course and I promise all will be revealed a little bit later on in the pod, but to get involved make sure you're following us on Instagram or TikTok we're at newsable.nz and remember you can also email us your yarns, newsable at staff.co.nz.
1: More than a decade after 11 bodies were found on Long Island, a New York architect has been charged with three murders. The so-called Gilgo Beach murders had attracted immense public attention. They were the subject of the 2020 Netflix film Lost Girls. But why has someone been charged in this cold case after such a long time? Imo's been reading up on this Case. She's going to tell us a bit about it. Uh, who's been charged, first of all?
0: The person is 59 year old Rex Hewerman, who lived across the bay from where the remains were found. He's charged with first and second degree murders over the deaths of three victims Melissa Bartholomew, Megan Waterman, and Amber Costello. Authorities say he's also the prime suspect in another killing, so a fourth victim from those 11 bodies discovered.
1: As we said before, you know, these happened uh, more than 10 years ago. So what Mm -hmm. changed? Did did some new evidence come forward?
0: Like you mentioned as well, the, the killings attracted huge public attention. Not only was there that Netflix... Doc o, there were also several podcasts about this. And after police detectives failed to make any progress, law enforcement agencies on Long Island formed a Gilgo Beach task force to renew investigations last year. Mr Hewerman apparently became the focus of attention uh, within that investigation just within a month of that task force being set up. Media are reporting authorities say DNA from a hair found on a piece of sacking used to wrap one of the victims was linked to Mr Hewerman via a sample from pizza crusts he discarded in a rubbish bin earlier this year. New York authorities also say he compulsively searched for photos of his victims and their families too.
1: Alright, so what's happening with Heuermann now?
0: Local media say prosecutors are opposing bail, citing what they described as the heinous nature of these serial murders. Mr Heuermann himself broke down in tears when he appeared in court, saying he didn't do it, and his lawyer says the evidence is all very circumstantial.
1: And you mentioned another body in the intro there. Um, So what about the other bodies that were discovered at the beach?
0: So 11 bodies, right? Amazingly, all of them were discovered when the family of one victim, Shannon Gilbert, pushed for investigations into what happened when she disappeared. And then after authorities looked into her disappearance, they found all the other ones. So 11 sets of human remains were found on the same stretch of Gilgo Beach between 2010 and 2011. Uh, Nine of them were women. Then there was also a man and a toddler. The identities of four people, including the toddler, her mother and the man, remain unidentified. Local police say this case is just the beginning and they have many search warrants still to be carried out. So whether or not we see Human linked to the other bodies remains to be seen.
1: Next up, Microsoft's attempt to become a great big gaming mega player, extravaganza behemoth, but uh, just quickly, if you are enjoying what you're hearing, chuck us a like and a follow on your favourite podcast platform. It helps other people to find us as well, and it gives our egos a nice boost and ammo.
0: The biggest. If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories or you just prefer to listen instead. The Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you. Each week we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism, telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime, sport, history, culture and more. you also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, Subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts. Emil, do you play cod? Call of Duty?
1: (laughs) Yes, I do. (laughs) Do No, 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 I don't anymore, actually, but I did quite a lot when I was at university instead of studying. How about you?
0: Uh, Personally, no, haven't. But I do ask because there's a really interesting story unfolding in the USA at the moment, which could have a big effect on who can play games like Call of Duty or Diablo. And I'm really concerned it could affect my ability to play Candy Crush.
1: Yeah, yeah. This is fascinating, this one. It's all about uh, Microsoft looking to acquire a big video game publisher called Activision for nearly 70 billion US dollars, which is a number so large as to be almost meaningless. Uh, (laughs) This is something its competitors obviously aren't very happy about, and it has been challenged by the Federal Trade Commission, which is kind of like the USA's equivalent of the Commerce Commission. Um, Here to explain a bit more about all of this is tech journalist Peter Griffin. Hello, Pete. How you doing? Very well, thanks. Tell us first of all about the players here, Microsoft and Activision. These are both uh, big companies in the world of video
2: games, are they? Very big players. Microsoft, obviously the developer of the Xbox console that goes back uh, over 20 years now and has a very big games division. Activision, as you've talked about, Candy Crush, Call of Duty, one of my favorites, probably actually about 20 years ago. That came out in 2003. And and typically these games, a software developer will create them and then they want to get as many copies out to as many people as possible. So they sell them everywhere. It's a bit like buying a CD. You want it to play on as many devices as possible. But what we're seeing now is the shift in gaming to the cloud. So, and we saw mobile games become really big. Candy Crush um, was a, a big example of that. And Microsoft is seeing that. They see the future as mobile gaming and cloud gaming over any device. They're now the third biggest um, game developer in the world. and if they if they can finalize Activision, that will be the biggest deal for a video game studio in history. And it puts them up there, it cements them up there alongside PlayStation, their arch rival, mm. and Tencent, the the Chinese company that has a huge gaming empire, particularly in China, but has also bought into some of our game developers here in New Zealand. So you've got this sort of competition now between these three players, and it's all about being the Netflix of gaming, mm. having enough attractive games to keep people paying a monthly subscription, and that's a big shift from where gaming has come from, which is you shell out $130 to buy the latest Call of Duty, and you hold on to that for a year or two, and you buy another one. That's where gaming has come from. Subscription-based gaming is the future of the industry. So, where are things at with this attempted acquisition now? Well, it's it's looking pretty promising. The um, FTC, the regulator in in the US, was really opposed to this, um, and I think that is very much them looking at Facebook and all those other players. They have lawsuits, they have antitrust action against big tech. So, it would look very hypocritical to say, well. We're not going to go after Microsoft over Activision, but we're going to try and get Facebook to give back Instagram mm. or or split off WhatsApp, which is effectively what they're trying to do. Mm. So they're basically saying all these big tech companies are in our sites. Having said that, their their, um, lawsuit uh, was knocked back. So that's a big win for Microsoft. And and as I said, Microsoft have done these licensing deals, which has meant that the UK regulator is now revisiting their decision and sort of saying, "Okay, we're going to extend our timeline on this. We may be able to come to a deal here that suits us. The European Union has already said, surprisingly for them, because they're so uh, proactive on bringing big tech to account, they've said these licensing deals are enough to satisfy us. So I think it will probably get over the line. But we've sort of seen this with the video streaming companies as well. They share a little bit of content, but then some business deal happens in the background and all of the James Bond movies disappear Mm. from one platform (laughs) and end up on another one. So I think my concern is it's just going to be a frustrating experience for consumers overall sure if you're an xbox user you might have all the choice in the world on one platform Um, but then what if you're on on sony you are sort of split across several platforms where in future you may not have candy crush and um and call of duty available
0: i am on level 4199 i've just opened my phone to check
2: you're a super user
0: peter griffin thank you so much for your time (laughs) I
1: think you're conflating a whole bunch of issues.
0: You don't want to be held to account well, no, on I, I, rising child no, abuse numbers. You
3: can manipulate crime statistics. No, I promised I wouldn't have a tag about you without to Hang
0: into the National Party's no, no, attack line no, there. But I focus. think It was. would be a resignation offence if I didn't
1: deliver tax reduction. It, it, yeah, I'm not worried about it at all. That's, Nothing if there. On. That sits with you perfectly fine. That's what, we're, that's what we're focused on.
0: Whatever happens in politics, the weird, the wonderful, the important, the thought-provoking, we got you. Listen to Tova wherever you get your podcasts. Funny TikTok I spotted. Mm-hmm. Well, funny? Mm. Uh, concerning, actually. Is funny concern. Not funny haha, funny concern. Uh, a TikTok taken of a cafe worker in Auckland. The worker is being filmed taking supermarket muffins out of the supermarket muffin tray, putting them on a plate, sticking them in the cabinet and selling them, and a cake as well.
1: I like how you describe that as concerning.
0: Funny. Well, no, I mean, not am I questioning all of my cafe purchases. The charge at the cafe was for a singular piece of the cake was more than the cake cost. So it is concerning. It's a cost of living crisis. Thank you very much.
1: That's pretty ballsy, eh? It's, it's, that takes some chutzpah.
0: <laughs> it's so to, bad. Uh, yeah. When I brought this up in the meetings earlier today. You shared a story that I am now gonna force you to share with everyone else.
1: This took me back. This took me back to my hospitality days.
0: Can you give us a rough time frame? Like how like are we talking in death? We're talking or? in the
1: early 2010s. It was my first my first sort of hospital job. Big gig. Um, big gig, exactly, yeah. <laughs> and it was a pretty new restaurant. So I had this big table of people, like 20 people. And this happened several times, that they ordered drinks and they hadn't told me at the start of the shift what was and wasn't on the menu. So I, I went back and put the drinks through and then I have to, had to go back and say, sorry, we don't have that. Entrees, same situation. Oh, and um, and then we came to the mains. And the place that I worked at, it was very famous for its tandoori chicken pizza. Uh, people would come especially for the tandoori chicken Far pizza. Very wide. Yeah, yeah. And so I go up there and they clearly heard about it because like six people ordered the tandoori chicken pizza. And so I take the docket down to the kitchen and put it through and the ch- Chefs, they look at each other with this, this the, the, the looks on their faces told the whole story that uh, we, we, we didn't have the tender red chicken pizza and oh. it was really awkward. So I go up to my duty manager and I say, look, I, I'm not going up there to tell them that. You, you can do it because I'm really, I'm embarrassed. <laughs> and so my DM, he goes to the owner and they have a little bit of a, a sort of a meeting in the corner. And then my DM comes back to me and he says, can you drive? Um, <laughs> and I go, I go, yeah, I can drive. And he takes out his car keys and he says, Right, go out the secret entrance, head down to Domino's. No. <laughs> I've ordered six tandoori chicken pizzas, pick them no. up, take them back through the, the secret entrance and bring them down to the kitchen. So I bring <gasps> them back and they put them all on the fancy platters and they, they put on some yogurt and some tandoori oh, sauce. No. And, and what's the markup? Well, these pizzas, they probably would have cost like like maybe nine bucks. Um, and we sold them for, I think, $27. I... And this is back in the day. <laughs> And, like, the funny thing is, though, the best part is that when I go up at the end, I'm like, how was your pizza? Everyone was like, beautiful. Absolutely delicious. Oh,
0: no. <laughs> this is what I mean, concerning. I'm now questioning so many things.
1: But do you care? Like, like you know.
0: Well, I do care. Because if I can get it cheaper somewhere else, I'm going to go get it somewhere but else. But you can
1: get it cheaper somewhere else. You can get anything at a cafe cheaper somewhere else.
0: We do want to know yeah. if you have had a similar experience. <laughs> Has your boss at work made you do something that wasn't quite right? Uh, or have you been an unsuspecting purchaser?
1: <laughs> Tell us your story. Uh, get in touch. Newsable at stuff.co.nz is our email address. Uh, we're also on Instagram uh, at newsable NZ. Uh But speaking of newsable nz, that's probably newsable for today, isn't
0: it? That is. I'm Imogen Wells.
1: I'm Emil Donovan. Thanks for listening. We'll be back at 6 o'clock tomorrow morning. Till then, be good. bye you later.
0: If you like this podcast, please support our work. Visit stuff.co.nz/support.